Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. Uh, we're going to get started right away. Our first, my first guest is uh, State Representative David Hackney, Democrat from the 11th Legislative District. He's also chair of the Black Members Caucus down in Olympia. Uh, at one time, there were only two members, George Fleming and Jesse Weinberry. Now, I think there's 11 now, but I want him to start out by letting folks know, most people know who David Hackney is anyway, but I'll let him go ahead and take a minute or so and uh, refresh your memories and then I'll talk about uh, the last legislative, legislative session, some of his accomplishments and some of his desires that didn't come to fruition. So go right ahead, Representative David Hackney. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. This is a, it's always a pleasure to be on your show. Um, this was a long session. Uh, the first one we've had in person since I've been elected. So it's really exciting to be on campus with all the other members of the legislature and the lobbyists and the public. Um, and we got a lot accomplished. You know, I talk a little bit about budget. I'm on two fiscal budget committees and budgets are moral documents. It's how we spend our money. And I am a vice chair of the capital budget committee. And we had a record setting uh, $8.9 billion budget, the largest in the history of Washington. And the area that I worked on was clean energy. And we had a uh, an auction of carbon credits uh, early this year that brought in a lot of revenue. And that allowed us to um, spend a half a billion dollars to decarbonize our economy. And, and also with the requirement that 40% of those funds be spent on frontline communities. Those are communities of color and lower income communities that are facing the worst aspects of climate change. And 10% of the money has to be spent on Native American tribes. So we have a grant program for low-income people to move from natural gas and oil to electric heat pumps. As we transition away from natural gas and, and, and oil and gas, um, the last people to transition, right, the, the price goes up for natural gas. If you're the last person to transition to electricity, then you're gonna pay the most. So we have a grant peer program to help the people that usually transition last, transition first. We also have a, um, a, a program, we call it hard to decarbonize, you know, where uh, aviation, maritime and industry, where we are spending money because a lot of that is located in South King County, where all the people of color live. So, and that's where the worst air quality in the state. So we are investing in clean energy technologies, zero emission. You know, the University of Washington has reported that South King County adults have a shorter lifespan. They've also um, identified that young adolescents in South King County have much higher instances of respiratory disease. They're scientists, so they won't say what causes it, but they'll say there's a very high correlation. But we know the airports, the industry, the ports, all in South King County, that's where all the bad air is and pollution is a serious problem. I'm also a former federal prosecutor. So not only would I wanna make sure that we have clean air, I'm, I was really focused on public safety. And this is an area that was very controversial and a lot of people have very strong feelings about it. I do not feel that we address racism and police misconduct 
by limiting the jurisdiction and duties of the police. I did not agree with the traffic stop bill. I did not agree with a bill that prohibited police from giving jaywalking tickets. We have a surge of crime going on in South King County, both property and violent crime. Also, we have some of the highest pedestrian fatalities we've ever had. And the statistics will tell you that the, disproportionately, the people that are being killed in pedestrian fatalities and the victims of crime are people of color. We need to hold police accountable. We need to make sure they're doing things right. But we do need police and we need them to do their jobs. And that created a lot of animosity in the Legislative Black Caucus as well as the Democratic Caucus. But I told people who I was when I came here. My, my North Star is the people in my community. And the people in my community uh, are telling me they don't want less police. They're telling me they need that law enforcement, jaywalking, people disrupting traffic and getting killed, or and also with police pursuits. We need the police need the ability uh, to pursue individuals who have who they suspect of committing crimes. Um, I would love a situation where we get past the police, where we have community uh, courts, or we have you know better education and systems. I would love it. We're not there yet. And I just so, have one, one quick question on that whole issue. Yes, sir. Uh, 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 I'm a little concerned about the fact that uh, minor, like a uh, broken tail light or outdated license plate, oftentimes leads into something catastrophic for African Americans. So I'm trying to say, what can we do to ensure that if a police officer sees someone doing the wrong thing and it's not a major infraction, and right. they have that license plate. It's like the situation that happened in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, the guy at Wendy's, uh, they had, his car was there. They knew where he lived, but yet he ended up dead. So I'm a little bit concerned about the, the lack of sensitivity, especially when it comes down to African-Americans and the, the whole judicial system and the criminal justice system itself. So I was just, I'm just a little bit concerned. How would that work if someone has a minor infraction? So does that mean if somebody has a, a, a broken tail light and they start speeding, an officer will chase them and put the other public at peril? How would that work? No, it doesn't because the, we, our pursuit bill does not allow you to get into a traffic, uh, a high-speed chase over something minor like that. But you have to ask the question, why would somebody get into a high-speed chase because of a broken taillight? They wouldn't. The people that are getting in high-speed chases because of a broken taillight is because there's guns or drugs in the car or somebody kidnapped in there. So what I will tell you, if you, if anybody, now I, I granted, if you, anybody with common sense, if you, if you, if it's a broken taillight, we get the idea that the police are like the East German secret police. They're just dragging black people out of cars and shooting and killing them. There are definitely rogue police officers. There's rogue doctors. There's rogue radio hosts. There are a lot of people, but I don't say turn off the radio because some radio host lied to me. I don't say like we said, don't we go to the, doctor. the legislature now because we don't agree with everybody in the legislature. I That's correct. So, but if you look at history, though, you'll see where huh? you'll see where there was in South Carolina several years ago. The guy had a traffic stop. He started running, mm -hmm. and he was shot in the back. He had no guns or anything, and then he also dropped dropped uh, his uh, his can of mace by him. But it was everything was on camera. So I saw him saying mm -hmm. there are exceptions to that. I'm glad to hear that. 
people will not die for having and no. and, and and when they do, that's murder. And you know, and police okay. shouldn't murder people, and okay. murderers shouldn't murder people. And okay, I will I hold them accountable to the highest sense of the law. But I we agree. are not going to achieve equality by telling the police to sit back and watch things happen. So in general, this idea that if you have a bro I've had a broken tail light. I've had uh, my tabs, uh, you know, haven't been as do you know as diligent as I should have been. I, I don't. I've been on ride-alongs. They don't have time for that. This okay. idea that they are looking out for the most minor things as you go down the road, they got stuff to do. There's yeah. a surge of crime here. <laughs> but I will also tell you when you start putting these artificial limits on them, you know, it's really hard for us to make the criteria. The, the standard has been by the United States Constitution, the Supreme Court, if they have a reasonable suspicion of criminal activity, they can stop you and conduct an investigation. They can I, stop I agree you with that. and ask you if you have a driver's license. They can ask you if you have insurance, because those are the things. And if you're you, supposed if you to have anyway. You're supposed you're to have supposed anyway. To have, okay. And if no, you, we have no disagreement you, there whatsoever. Right. And if you hit the gas and you go on 100 miles, First of all, you're right. That doesn't make sense. But it also tells me something. There's probably something else going on. And and, and, and as we're facing a surge of crime, and I will tell you, Eddie, th these are families that don't have the right insurance. When they when their um, when their vehicle gets stolen, um, when their when their computer gets stolen, they just don't have a vehicle or a computer. And if that's something they needed for work or school, mm -hmm. they're in big trouble. Yeah, you know, they better belong to a good church. Uh, that's right. You know, that's what I'm going to have somewhere to go. So, no, you better so, have somewhere to go. So, yeah. as black people, this idea now, some people look at me and said, That's ridiculous, Hackney. And they try to tell me, you know, that you better do this and you better do that. I, I'm not, I didn't get elected to get reelected. I got elected to do the right thing for the people in my community. That's been my North Star. So I always will do. And I will tell you, if you go down in the community and ask people, you know, are you more concerned about police violence? Or are you more concerned about getting losing your property or violence from criminals? I think most people will tell you it's getting something stolen and violence from criminals. Yeah. And and who addresses that? Mm -hmm. The And guess what? When you limit the police, it's not as if people stop acting bad. What you get, though, is vigilante groups like we had in Florida. Right, neighborhood groups. People will not stand by and watch their property get destroyed and their family harmed. There will well, be we some January six, so didn't we? And well, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, the vigilante groups will come out, the private security, and we'll have less control over yeah. them. And no, if you I, ask, I, you know, I understand. Uh, I just want to. I just want to. Uh, one other issue that I want to close with, and I was sure. hoping that uh, the, uh, there's going to be a special session coming up. I know yep. a lot of things are on the table. And I was certainly hoping that uh, the uh, Black Members Caucus, I've not heard anyone address uh, the disparity uh, that uh, African-American businesses are facing in participating in the, in the economic power of the state of Washington. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I know there's going to be, and I, I, I want you to check this out. Uh, today at 5 o'clock, the National Association of Minority Contractors, the Washington State Chapter, is having their general meeting. If you go to NAMCWA.com, you can sign in and, and check that out. I told uh, our president, Bob Armstead, that I would invite you, uh, yep. 
this afternoon to come and check it out so you can actually hear what some of, you know, we've had a regional contractors forum. You guys were in, in session uh, getting prepared to deal with the $1.75 trillion that's coming down. I understand President Biden has put in a 15% goal for minority firms across the country, which is very good news to have uh, him stand up like that. So uh, we're just hoping that that trickle down, not trickle on again, but trickle down uh, uh, to some of our firms. So I do have another so engagement I, this evening at five, but I will tell you what, what I will promise you is I, will, I have been to the uh, National Association of Minority Contract. In fact, you were there. We, we went to the gala dinner uh, together at a hotel by down by the airport when the gentleman from Cincinnati who owned the buildings was speaking. I don't know if you recall that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you were there. But so I've been there. I know who those those gentlemen are and those folks are, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And I will, what I promise you is I will reach out to them. And one of the things I'm going to be doing this summer is working with the Legislative Black Caucus and figuring out how we can be more transparent and more in contact. You know, I didn't get elected until the session started. And when the session starts, it's really hard to develop new uh, processes because we are under the gun getting our bills. Now, during this intercession, I'm going to be working with members, and we're going to come up with a way, just like the labor community um, has a working families caucus that meets with legislators once a week, I'm going to try to find a venue or a process where the black community can meet with us and they have a real chance to ask us what the hell we're doing. Why haven't we done something on this? Where are we on that? I feel because the, the black vote is so dispersed, there's no one district that where the black people control here in Washington. And that's unfortunate because it's really, I can't go to a member and say, hey, a member of the black caucus, if you're not with us on this, the black community is going to take retribution on you and at the polls because there's really no district that has a large enough black population um, to uh, to really in, to really influence that way. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know uh, when you got to, to the Seattle area, but uh, we we did have a part of the town, very valuable part called the Central District. But yep. anyway, I see that. Uh, uh, Governor Jay Inslee has joined us. Uh, uh, Representative David Hackney, thank you very much. And okay. we're seeing you at 5 o'clock at the NAMCWA meeting. Uh, NAMCWA.com. Again, I have a, I have another engagement. I won't make it that to this evening, okay. but I promise I'll be in touch. Governor. How you doing? Okay. Good, All good right. to see you again. Okay. So I have a whole legislative caucus here today. But anyway, I want to welcome uh, Governor Jay Inslee on to Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, Governor, I understand that you and my guests after you and the guests before you were all in the Tri-Cities dealing with the environment. And I must say, I had put money on the fact that you were going to be the secretary of EPA because <laughs> uh, I thought that, you know, you, you were highly qualified to assume that position. But uh, uh, you're continuing to make Washington green, and that's important to everybody. And that's what I keep telling a lot of my friends that... Uh, it don't make no difference what color you are. If you can't breathe the air, drink the water, you just have a problem. So uh, why don't you just uh, share with our listeners exactly uh, what you're doing? I've heard that uh, that you're not going to seek re-election, but you seem to have got even busier after that announcement. So tell well, us what's up with you. 
Well, we have been real busy in the last few weeks, in part because of David Hackney's leadership and John Lovick's, who've been giving us so many great bills that I've got to sign recently. You know, yesterday we signed a bill that that uh, uh, will deal in a reasonable fashion with police pursuits. Uh, we've done some really good gun safety work. We've got the best, some of, if not the best gun safety laws to try to deal with the gun violence that, that is affecting us. We've got new provisions on how to provide mental health for folks in a new way that's much more effective. Our climate work this year was, was spectacular this year. I signed seven bills with David there the other day in Tri-Cities uh, that will help us advance our climate initiative. And by the way, there's one thing about when we reduce carbon pollution, it's not just reducing climate change. It's getting people cleaner air to breathe. Because when you reduce carbon pollution, you're reducing all the toxic material and the particulates that go along with carbon dioxide. And this is really unfair to people of color because people of color frequently are living, you know, into in next to freeways and next it to polluting industries. And so the asthma rates of our people who live in those areas is much higher than the rest of the community. And those are frequently communities of color and kids of color. So this has a first, what I call the first order of magnitude effect, that when you move off of diesel smoke and coal, not only does it save the planet from heating up, it also gets this junk out of, it, out of kids' lungs that are causing this epidemic of asthma right now. So the work that we've done together has been really, um, really important. And I'm pleased that the legislature joined me. They've come up with a billion dollars of housing funds this homelessness crisis we have is bedeviling us. We know we got to build more housing fundamentally. We don't have enough housing in our state. So the legislature uh, significantly improved the investment in housing to actually build housing for people, as well as all the drug treatment that people need and the behavioral health help they need. They did that too. So we have been busy, and I thank the legislatures for, uh, for giving me some, a lot of good bills to sign this year. Well, you know, I recently saw something where uh, uh, Michael Fong is going to get appointed to be the uh, yeah. director of uh, commerce. And we had him on the program with the National Association of Minority Contractors a couple of months ago as a regional administrator for the Small Business Administration. Yeah, well, he's I guess he wants to stay closer to home. Huh? He's graduated. He's gone to the best Washington, not the fake one. He was working for Washington, D.C. He's working for the real Washington now, which is Washington State. I'm really excited about him coming on. I thought Lisa Brown did a great job on increasing our housing funding in an effective way, and it has been effective. Our, our right-of-ways initiative has moved over 500 people into housing now just in the last several months. But Michael's leadership, I'm really excited to work with him. I think he's got, he's a perfect guy for the job. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me, uh, uh, listeners, uh, in terms of, you said you signed a stack of bills. Why don't you just share some of, that, some of those uh, ones that made it through uh, the House and the Senate to your desk. Uh, could you just share some information on those? Of some of our bills, you mean? Yes. Oh, well, listen, the I'm signing like 400 bills, so don't, oh, get, wow. me, don't get me started. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, shoot, well, let's just start with the gun safety bills. Um, uh, we didn't pass just one or two. We passed three bills this year that are going to have three different approaches to gun violence. One will ban assault weapons. And I've said, and I really believe that AR-15 should not be idolized, they need to be prohibited. So uh, I feel passionately about this because I helped pass this when I was in Congress in 1994. 
lost my seat in part because of that. And now to come back and actually put it in the laws is gratifying to me. Uh, but another bill is really important that will create a safety training requirement and a 10-day waiting period before you buy a gun. That's really important and is shown to be really effective at reducing gun violence. And by the way, when I send gun violence, it's suicides as well, because over half of the deaths are due to suicide. And that 10-day waiting period is, is helpful to keep someone who's in a fit of depression from going out and buying a gun right away. Uh, and then we have a bill that will make manufacturers more responsible uh, when they act uh, inappropriately. Um, then we have a suite of bills that will improve how we provide mental health. We've got so many people in our state that have untreated mental health crises. And we have uh, uh, several bills that will reform how we provide mental health and also provide almost a billion dollars to enhance our capacity for mental health. We just don't have enough beds for people in the state. And this goes way back to you know, the Reagan days when they shut down the institutions and, and we just need to keep building our, our capacity for people. And we're doing this in a way that's more effective. Instead of having big hospitals and everybody has to go to one hospital, we're having more community-based centers. So you can get your, your son or daughter who's having a problem into help right away. By the way, uh, kudos to Dow Constantine and the leaders in King County who passed this crisis center initiative the other day and the voters who voted for it of a new way to, uh, to deliver mental health uh, treatment. So, and then we have those seven bills on climate that are really important because we've passed uh, some really good bills to make sure Washington ends up 100% clean energy on their grid. We have a cap and invest bill that have created a, over a billion dollars available to help consumers get access to heat pumps and better heating and cooling for their homes. We have the nation's very first uh, law that will make sure that you don't have to connect to natural gas and get a heat pump now. That starts in 2023, we're the first state in the country. So we've done all these good things, but yesterday I signed a bunch of bills to make sure we get those things done because they were bills that will allow us now to site solar farms, to site wind turbines, to build transmission lines. We have to double the number of transmission capacity we have in the next decade to meet our goals. So these bills we signed yesterday uh, are very, very thoughtful. And again, leading the nation, like we've led the nation in so many ways in our state. In fact, it was really funny, David heard this story yesterday, but as I was driving to this event that was at this solar farm in Tri-Cities, uh, a governor uh, from an eastern state called me and said, hey, can you help me design our clean energy suite of laws? And I go, funny, you should call me because I'm going to sign these seven bills right now. And I was telling him about them. And he said, well, those sound like good ideas. And so we're leading the country when it comes to this. And we got to we got to hurry up and do this. Now, you, a special set, you call a special section for May 16th. Uh, can you elaborate on some of the issues that will be discussed and some of the accomplishments you want to see to come out of the special session? Well, the thing that really caused us to, to do this is we need a solution to the Blake decision. The Blake decision, as you know, throughout all of our drug possession laws, the legislature put in place a temporary bill for a year and now that expires. So we need to have something to replace it. And we couldn't get the votes for a replacement during the regular session. So we need a special session to design a bill that will solve that problem. Uh, I'm reasonably hopeful the legislature is gonna succeed at this. And basically I think there's a broad 
belief in the state and in the legislature that we need two things. One, we need more drug treatment for people who are living in such darkness. We have to provide them a meaningful mechanism to get that treatment. That's the ultimate solution uh, to problems. You know, just stocking our jails with people is, is you know, who have a drug problem is not an answer to this problem. But I also believe we need a, some kind of lever for the folks who won't go into drug treatment of potential sanctions if they don't. And so designing a program that, that if a law enforcement comes in contact with a person, we try to, we get them into treatment, we offer them treatment, we have a diversion a program from our criminal justice system, they get in there, hopefully they come out much better. But if there's an abject refusal, sometimes you need a little help for people to make the right decision. And so designing a law that would do both those things is what we're trying to do. Uh, I'm hopeful that we have a bipartisan bill to get that job done. And, um, and I hope we'll be successful. Uh, now, uh, what other issues will you take up uh, in on the special session? Is that the sole issue or is there other issues to be taken? Well, by law, it, the legislature can do anything in a special session just like they can in a regular session. So I can't limit them to what they do. At the moment, it's the thing we will focus on there's more to do that, you know, uh, we didn't get our transit-oriented development bill through this year that I hope to get through that will allow us to build houses, more housing next to transit stops so that we can have more housing close to where people live and particularly in the urban core. We didn't get that bill through. We got a middle housing bill through, which is really good, but that's a bill I'd like to see uh, advance. You know, if the legislature decided they could get that done in a reasonable period of time, I'll be all for that. I wouldn't predict that's going to happen, though. It's not something I'm really going to argue for at the moment. We want them to come in, solve the Blake problem, and, and, and move forward. There's some transportation difficulties. I have to tell you this. Our, our, our transportation uh, bill is, is, does not provide adequate maintenance and preservation for our roads and bridges. You know, you saw this West Seattle Bridge, a six-foot hole fell out of the, the, the off-ramp the other day. You heard of potholes, that's a car hole. A bit, it's a car hole, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what that is. We so want to have to put bungee cords on our cars to get over our bridges. So there's some problems in the transportation budget. We're examining those right now. Can those get fixed? Uh, possibly. Um, but we're going to focus on this Blake decision. Well, there's one elected official in uh, King County that really wants everybody to do something about the environment. And I'm talking about Seattle Pork Commissioner Hamdi Mohammed. Uh, she's one of the three amigos, the three of you were all over doing the right thing on the environment in uh, the Tri-Cities uh, yesterday. And we really thank you for that. So, uh, Governor, I want to know if you have, uh, one, can, uh, how much more time do you have? Uh, I just got about another a minute and a half here. By the way, Hamdi. Oh, okay, well, go ahead and close out because we're going to take thanks, a break before Hamdi comes Thank up. Hamdi for her leadership. The port has been really good leading the decarbonization efforts. We're trying to get the dredge trucks to be off of diesel, and the port's really looking for options on this. They're looking for ways so that ships don't have to be keeping their diesels going while they're tied up in our harbors. Mm -hmm. And they're electrifying some of their uh, equipment at the port. So the port's really an important player in this. And Omni's been a great leader on this. Uh, so I really appreciate her leadership. So uh, Eddie, I appreciate a chance to, to say hello. I feel good about our state. 
um, we're heading in the right direction. You know, U.S. News and World Report just listed us as the second best place to live in the United States. Now, of course, we're mad about that because we want to be number one. You're number one, right. I don't know how Utah came out ahead of us, but we have so many positive things going on in our state. And I think we're on the upward, upward uh, curve in our state. We want to get tackle, increase our ability to get people housed. We want to reduce crime. We've had some actually some encouraging numbers in the last few months about that. So uh, we're on the upswing. And I appreciate Eddie uh, giving the, a forum for the community to talk about these things. So thanks a million. With that, Absolutely. I'm going to sign off. I got to go sign about 45 more good bills that David sent me. So. Okay, I just want to let you know there was a guy by the name of Frank Inslee who was my physical ed teacher in Dartmouth. Oh, no. Well, no wonder you look so healthy. I wonder how you look so healthy. My dad probably made you do 25 push-ups every morning. You're probably still doing that. Yeah, uh, No, I still couldn't do it today. <laughs> my, my dad, I'm very proud of my dad. Yep. Uh, uh, tomorrow, Bruce Harrell is going to get to celebrate with the Garfield Boys and Girls State Championship basketball team. And Bruce is going to thank him on behalf of my dad because my dad was the assistant coach at Garfield in the 1955 state championship. That's team. right. And I that's can't right. go because I've got to go meet Al Gore tomorrow and talk some stuff with him. Well, that's great. So, uh, so I'm going to miss the Bulldogs tomorrow. So if you go, okay. have a good time. All right. Thank you very much. We thank appreciate you. We'll see you guys. Okay. I'm Dave. I'm commissioner. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break before we come back for your segment. And you can talk to us about what you did over in the Tri-Cities with the governor and Representative Hackney. So Eric, let's take this break and come right back. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Ryan, back at uh, Urban Forum Northwest with my next guest. She is uh, Seattle Port Commissioner Hamdi Muhammad, and you heard Governor Jay Inslee talking about the work that she's been doing and also talked about uh, where the poor quality of air and water is, and that seems to be around our communities of color and poorer communities. So, uh, Poor Commissioner Hamdi Mohammed, why don't you go ahead and, and take off and let us uh, know, give our listeners uh, a little overview of what you've been doing with the Port of Seattle, and then we'll talk about uh, what happened down in Tri-Cities. Great. Well, first of all, Mr. Eddie Rye, thank you so much for having me. It is an always an honor 
to be on air with you and your audience. And so super happy to be here. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I've been following the governor around for the last few days. I was just at the Washington Capitol. He was signing a bill today as well that I, I was in support of. And um, as he mentioned, we were in Tri-Cities together on Wednesday. Uh, each year, the port works with you know, our elected leaders, the governor, um, to advance our shared priorities. And th this year in Olympia, we advocated strongly as a port for sustainable aviation fuels incentive um, quiet sound funding and efforts and many other efforts. And um, it was such a, a great session. And um, in, when I was in the Tri-Cities, the bill that I was strongly in support of, he had seven uh, climate bills that he signed um, yesterday. And I was obviously in support of all of them. But the one that really applied to the port that I, I um, was a strong advocate for was House Bill Five. 447. It's the sustainable aviation fuel bill. And um, that is, you mentioned a, a little bit ago that um, those who are heavily impacted by environmental issues tend to be folks of color, folks who are from low-income backgrounds. And um, that that is the case too, when you think about those who live closest to the airport, a lot of them are heavily impacted by uh, the, the the heavy traffic in the in those communities. There are planes flying over their homes, and so um, it's a compound of different issues that impact them. And so, making sure that we have things like sustainable aviation fuels and we advocate for clean air is a a top priority of ours. And um, it's great to see our state uh, legislators making that a, a top priority for them. The Port of Seattle's goal is to use a 10% blend of sustainable aviation fuels that um, the supply comes from local sources. And not only does uh, local pr produce those uh, fuel uh, reduction, carbon emissions related to um, contributing fuel, it also drives economic development in Washington state and reduces carbon um, emissions and ultrafine particle pollution. So we know that those sustainable aviation fuels are is a lot better. I think it it, it reduces those ultrafine particle pollution. I, I think about by eighty percent, and that that is really important for those who live in the airport community. And I and I've shared with you, um, Mr. Eddie Rye, that um, I uh, am I live in the airport community. I'm a resident of SeaTac, and so I know firsthand. Um, how important it is for us to advocate for clean air and um, and to address our emission issues. Just last week, I was in uh, D.C. advocating for sound installation. Um, there, the federal the FAA reauthorization bill is happening. That happens about every five years, and so we were meeting with our members of Congress all across the country. Um, we met with the U.S. FAA. Um, Federal Administra Aviation Administration as well and their leadership to talk to them about um, seven different priority areas. Sound installation repair was a big one. So for instance, if you're someone who lives close, very, very close to the to the airport, a lot of the times you'll, you'll, you might have um, your windows installated and your house installated um, to kind of prevent that the noise from the, the aircrafts. And there are people who um, 
need those sound installations repaired. And currently under the FAA policies, it restricts airport from using federal funds to upgrade or repair noise installation other than in those homes that have received the package prior to 1993, that is the, the rule. And um, when we were in DC, we were strongly advocating for uh, a change in that. And so those who are experiencing um, a need for a repair that that happens. And so it's, it's great that our governor and our state legislators are addressing this issue from a from a state level, not sound installation, but the the issues of um, issues that impact folks who live in airport communities having uh, sustainable aviation fuels. But there's also a lot of work that has to happen on the federal level. There's a lot of work that has to happen at the Port of Seattle, and so it really takes collaboration. It really takes people at all levels of government to come together to really tackle climate change. And so, um, yeah, that's I've been very busy with with that lately. And that's a good thing because uh, people need to have clean air and clean water. And I'm glad that uh, it's uh, like uh, the governor has a commitment and you definitely have a commitment because that's your district that you represent and your people as we, we uh, I think David Hackney spelled out during his, his uh, remarks that uh, the high percentage of people of color and uh, suffer from being in those kind of areas like the freeways going through certain neighborhoods and things like that. Uh, what are your other priorities on the port? Let us let our listeners know some of the other issues that you're dealing with at the Port of Seattle. Yeah, there's um, well a number of, of different priorities, making sure that we have more small businesses at, at our at our port, um, ensuring that uh, we are partnering with our community, partnering with new businesses. One of the things that I was I had mentioned earlier that I was at the Capitol today um, with the governor when he was uh, he was signing about 48 bills. And one of those bills that have been a priority of mine was House Bill 1086. It's a two to one match bill. Um, and that was a bill that I've testified on uh, numerous times and um, made a lot of phone calls to our state legislators around this. And basically um, what that bill does, it allows uh, us to partner better with nonprofit organization. It reduces the required nonprofit match for those who are seeking out port grants. And, um, and that directly supports our um, South King County funded programs and other community-based grants. Um, and so we were very lucky to have that go through. And so if you're, um, if you're applying for a grant through the port, um, that two-to-one match is, is, is uh, has been addressed, and I know there's a lot of community organizations who have tried to partner with the, the port and have had issues with that, and so that has been corrected, and so that that is um, something I just wanted to share that was like relevant to what we were doing today. Um, we talked about the sustainable aviation fuels. Um, you attended our Black History Month on February. We um, partnered with Blacks in Government and highlighted the work that they're doing. Big has um, a scholarship program that supports uh, education for young people, and I'm a strong advocate of the, the Big Scholarship. And so we took some time during this Black History Month um, to elevate that, and um, it, it's an important thing for us to address education, quality education and making sure that we do have quality education. Um, and that is a means to economic security 
and better quality of life for people. And so this February, I was really excited to, to be able to support that. The other thing that I've been up to is I, um, in partnership with my, my colleague, uh, Commissioner Cho, we've established the first ever ad hoc committee on small businesses to promote economic opportunities. Um, it's the first one of, of the commission. And um, through this committee, we'll develop ways to make it easier for um, uh, small businesses to work with the port. And the committee's mission is to promote economic opportunities, improve the quality of life in our, in our region. And you know, for us, we recognize that small businesses are essential to achieving this goal um, as they have added um, two out of three jobs to the economy in the past 25 years. That's huge. Small businesses are the backbone of our economy. And um, that has been a, a priority of mine. And we are uh, excited to be able to use this committee as a pathway to get more wins for um, our, our small business community at large. The other thing that I um, did so during this first quarter is we're exploring the feasibility of an international public market in South King County. Um, I have been a strong advocate of economic development in South King County, and this feasibility study will look at the possibility of um, developing an international public market facility located in the area, and um, we just established a memorandum of understanding with King County to conduct that feasibility study for that project, and, you know, really... Um, when I think of South King County, I think about the port's largest asset, SeaTac Airport, the communities around it work in for the port. And, um, you know, a international public market would not only promote sustainability, but it would also support entrepreneurship um, and also create jobs and wealth for our diverse communities. And so that is a study I'm really excited about to look at the, what locations can we have. And if it, if it happens, my vision for it is really, I want to see a Pike Place market. Oh, okay. Um, further well, south. Uh, Commissioner Muhammad, we're out of time. You've been one of the busiest elected <laughs> officials that I've talked to in a long time. So, and it's, it's all for good. So I want to thank you, but we're going to have you back on again so we can continue this conversation about what you're doing. Because this is what get the public's, uh, when they get this information, then they get ready to, to rise up, get involved, get engaged, and better their communities and better themselves. So thank you very much for your time today. You have one busy person, and we appreciate you. Thank you, Mr. Eddie Ryan. Thank you to the listeners. All right, now. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. I want to give a shout out, uh, first of all, the NAACP AXO uh, having their fundraiser on Saturday, May 6th. It's going to be at Applebee's from 8 to 10. You can check with Monica T.L. Lewis, the director of AXO. It's a $10 donation. I also want to give a shout out to the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, me and Lawrence and Josie, and then the City of Seattle's Purchase and Construction Services Department, with uh, Carol, Carmen, Mark, and Jesse, and then uh, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion uh, with Allison, uh, Maria, and uh, uh, Nikki, and then SeaTac Bar Group, LLC, uh, with Jerry Whitson and Rod O'Neill, they own the Mountain Room Bar and the Africa Lounge. The Africa Lounge was rated the best, uh, the seventh best restaurant in all the airports in America. So we'll take this break now and come right back uh, with our next guest, with Miss Veronica Gallardo. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. 
The port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for Sound Transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. Eddie Ryan back at Urban Forum Northwest with my guest, Veronica Gallardo. Say that for me. Gallardo? Gallardo. Gallardo. Okay, got it. Okay. Two L's is a Y. I'll I'll learn that pretty soon. But anyway, Veronica is uh, the property manager at El Centro de la Raza. Uh, it's just celebrated over 50 years uh, of uh, longevity. And uh, she is also the lead organizer in the Cinco de Mayo celebration that will be held Saturday, May 6th, from 10 until 6 p.m. Uh, at, uh, I don't know what Roberto Festival Streets addresses, is 1600? 1660 South Roberto Meisters Festival Street. Okay, that's it. Okay. So share with our listeners what they can expect if they come by and to participate. You know, we have a pop-up mercado. So we got vendors selling things that they've made um, for the day. We have entertainment from um, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. that day. So we have folkloric dancers. We have some um, singers, some regional Mexicano singers that'll be there. Local um, young artists who will rap. Um, we have, uh, another, uh, local artist who's going to sing for us, um, some youth, um, who are going to perform, um, with instruments. Um, so we have just kind of a variety of, of entertainment that day. Um, and just in general, it's our, 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 um, uh, for our event, we just, um, have children's activities, a bouncy house, depending on the weather, um, and, and just a, a fun day planned. Uh, muted myself. Is it planned for uh, outdoors or is it indoor activity? It's all uh, outdoors. Okay. But if it rains, we can go inside, right? If it rains, we have our Centilia Cultural Center that is open. Uh, we'll have some some vendors in there. Um, UW is, is coming to give out some vaccines if anybody's still interested in, in boosters. Um, so we'll they have the ability to come and sit inside um walk around outside um so i mean the plaza is really big and we'll have a big tent for people to sit under to to watch the entertainment okay and uh can you share some of the names of some of the participants who will be uh playing or speaking or who will be involved we have um um grupo folklorico tonantzin um see uh seattle tonali which is our aztec dancers 
Um, we have Hoyas Mestizas, um, uh, Victoria, uh, let me see if I have the name correct, um, Fragoso, who's a singer, um, Ramiro Cruz, who's a singer, Rebeldes, who are um, a Chilean folklore dance group. And uh, I don't know if the, the community knows that the Chilean community has a big, big part on the founding of El Centro La Raza. So um, they've always been participating in, in our events. Um, we have uh, uh, Alisa Fernandez is a local rapper. Um, and then the youth group, and I don't remember the name of the youth group, but they'll, they'll be participating, um, but they'll be bringing their own instrumentals that day. And Jose Marti, which is our daycare, um, the children of Jose Marti will be participating in a, a fashion show and showing off the world, their, their fashion. You know, I need to repost my uh, adopted granddaughter was in Jose Marti. Uh, uh, so, and, and, and she was about four or five and for a while she was pretty good at speaking Spanish, but as she got older, I think that she kind of lost it. As a matter of fact, I have a picture that I'll have to put up back up on Facebook with Roberto Maestas and uh, Niashi Marari. And I think her name at Jose Marti was Diego. And uh, she can do, I mean, and she, I, I think that some stuff, uh, some Spanish she'll never forget. But if she would have stuck to it, I think she was, it's a real good environment. And Roberto was, uh, uh, was a guy that really loved the little ones. I mean, he put the children before anybody. And that's one of the things that one of his characteristics that a lot of folks admired. Uh, exactly in terms of uh, what is El Central offering the community right now in terms of programs? Since you're the property manager, you know where all the activities are occurring. So why don't you share with our listeners uh, about some of uh, the programs that are offered and how can people come and get assistance uh, from uh, El Centro de la Raza? Well, I mean, we have uh, about over 40 programs at El Centro, um, you know, that we have a financial uh, empowerment program, um, we have ESL program, um, we have, you know, our daycare, uh, which is, unfortunately, we have a, a wait list for the daycare, but, you know, never, never hurts to, to put out the daycare information, um, but we're always growing our daycare and um, uh, just, just putting it out there. Um, the, um, but, you know, anybody can come to, to our, our building here and um, we'll get you the information that you need, or even, you can even call my office and I'll get you the services that you, you need and I'll hook you up with the people you need. So um, you can feel free to give me a call and I, uh, you know, I get calls all the time for people looking for rental assistance and I can, now we don't usually have the funding for rental assistance, but we could find you the resources. And I know at one time, uh, the late Sam Martinez had a travel agency in the building. Is that still yeah. there? Rosa Maria still has her uh, a travel agency here. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you guys uh, do a food bank? Or I know there was one time there was a, a well, matter of fact, when uh, Miguel Maestas uh, arranged for us to have uh, Mexican food at an ML Martin Luther King event, I know we got it from someone that was downstairs in uh, in uh, uh, the uh, cafeteria area, mm -hmm. so is that still viable? Can are they still uh, doing business there? Yeah, so we have well, we have our senior meals every day, Monday through Friday. Um, we got our food bank Thursdays and Fridays. Um, we have our business opportunity center and micro businesses in our in our plaza. So uh, we have a pizza vendor, ceviches, 
Um, we have a tostadas tacos vendor. Um, so we have we have food out here in our plaza. Um, and so people can come out here and eat. Or if you you want to start your own business or need help just filling out paperwork or understanding how to do all that paperwork, that's what our business opportunity center is for. And then El Centro has a significant number of housing. Uh, is all of all the uh, uh, available housing uh, occupied, or are there any opportunities to have housing close to uh, the uh, light rail uh, station? Our currently, the Plaza Roberto Maestas is, from my understanding, is full. Um, but if you want to get on the um, wait list for or the interest list for Columbia City, um, I, you can send me an email and I can uh, we can get you the the contact information to to be on that uh, the interest list. How many units of housing uh, does El Centro currently have now? Um, Plaza Roberto Maestas is 112 units of uh, apartments. Um, then we have El Patio, which is about 23 units. Um, Where is that located? El Patio is only a couple blocks away from us, and it's one of the original apartments that we have. Uh, I think they purchased it in the 80s. Um, and um, it's one of the kind of like the first kind of dabble into affordable housing that El Centro got into. Um, I don't remember what year they purchased, like 1989, I believe. Um, and um, then there was two smaller houses of affordable, like two houses. It used to be transitional houses. Now it's like affordable housing that we rent out. Um, then, um, you know, we're we're building a new building in Columbia City. I don't know off the top of my head how many rooms that's going to be, but that's 86 we'll that your, apartments. We'll get that on your there next you interview. <laughs> I, heard, I, heard, I heard it in the background. Yeah. yeah. So, well, well, that's outstanding. So once again, Saturday, May 6th, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., uh, Del Centro de la Raza's Cinco de Mayo celebration will be going on. And uh, uh, Veronica Gallardo is uh, the lead organizer for the event. And uh, uh, it's going to be a fun day, and hopefully we don't get any rain. And you know, uh, Rain or shine, that's how we go shine. in Seattle. We just got to do what we got to do and just, you know, enjoy what we got. I hear you. Well, I, I want to thank you, uh, Veronica, very much. And I have a history with El Centro de la Raza myself. So it's near and dear to my heart. And I'm glad to see that you guys are doing well. And good luck on Saturday. And I will hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you very much, Veronica. Bye. Okay. Um, once again, I remind you that the NAACP AXO fundraiser is Saturday, May 6th at Applebee's on South Grady Way in Renton. And also... Uh, Pick up a copy of the Seattle Medium for this week. Uh, there's a big article about uh, a, a guest editorial by Ali uh, uh, Garrett, who is a Liquor and Cannabis Board member. And there's also another article about uh, Larry Wilmore, Fathers and Sons Together. And I want to thank the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, the City of Seattle's uh, Purchasing and Construction Services Department, uh, Sound Transit Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion, SeaTac Bar Group LLC, and the Mountain Room Bar. You have the African Lounge, and which is uh, rated the best uh, uh, restaurant in all the airports in the country. And that's Jerry puts it, Rod O'Neill. This has been Eddie Ryan. Talk to you again next week. Thank you, Eric. <laughs>